Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. episode, uh, a weekend episode of Full Court Press, um, presented to you as always by Geek Vibes Nation. I'm your host, Nick Smith, and joining me on this lovely Saturday afternoon is Jawan Carter. What up, Jawan? What is going on? I'm so excited to talk basketball. Hopefully that was a lot better than I have been. That <laughs> was better than last, last episode. That's for damn sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Like we got a lot of lot of cool shit to talk about. We got game three, game four. Uh, we got a big trade to talk about. So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. All right, let's jump into it. Um, so the Raptors taking care of business on the road. Game three, obviously without Clay Thompson, uh, without Kevon Looney. Uh, without KD as they've been without for this whole series, um, the the Raptors just just got it done. Um, they never seemed like they were in danger of losing that game. Um, every time you know the the Warriors would like like get in striking distance, you know the Raptors would just go on a, a, a short little spurt or like go bucket for bucket with them and just maintain that, that seven, eight point lead. Um, and that just kind of transitioned throughout the whole game. Um, I was a little nervous that the, you know, I predicted almost kind of a blowout because I, I thought either clay wouldn't come back or clay would be very limited when he came back. And so I thought the Raptors would be able to like really handle their business. Uh, and they didn't, like the game was closer than I thought it would be, honestly. Um, but uh, ultimately, the Raptors were able to take care of business. Kawhi was big down the stretch. Um, they got 
it was kind of an all hands on deck performance. Um, Siakam was like brilliant in like the first half. Um, we had like a steady like performance from Kyle Lowry. He wasn't huge in the first half, um, but he was still efficient. And then he really took over in the second half and was like um, making big plays down the stretch and especially in the third quarter of that game. Um, Gasol had some big plays. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins saw a stark regression from where he was in game two. Um, and uh, the, the, the Raptors just kind of took control of the series. What was your big takeaways from game three? Um, I thought they needed to do more for Clay. Um, I mean, I, I think what game three. really comes game down to three. Oh, game, game three. Sorry. three. Game three. Sorry. Sorry. Completely forgot. Uh, let me start off by saying you were completely right on it never seeming. Uh, you did call it before the game saying that um, Toronto would kind of make it feel like it, it, it wasn't even close. Um, yeah. I, I didn't see that coming. It was but closer I will, than, it, than, it, than I thought. Like, I'll give them credit for that. It was closer than I thought it would be. It ended up not really being <laughs> that close. Right, but like, throughout the game, game. It, it was always right. in – it, like the 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 Warriors were always just like a a a run away from being um, tied or taking the lead, and they could just never go on that run. Um, you know, right. partly because they didn't have Clay. Um, obviously, they didn't have KD. They didn't have Looney mm-hmm. to protect the paint. Um, and and Demarcus Cousins just didn't play well. Um, so you couple all those things together, along with Iguodala and and Green missing shots, and yeah, that's what you get. <laughs> Yeah, and I will say, I will slightly pat myself on the back for the huge game I thought Steph was going to have. Um, but seemingly, he would have had to have had that big of uh, a game. So that's not really me making a bold prediction. It's just more so like if Steph didn't show up, like they just they weren't ever going to be in that game. <laughs> so right, and he really did show up tenfold in game he three. He did. He definitely did. He definitely did. Um, I, it just it. It was frustrating watching that game because it was just like a game where Draymond could have easily had 25, 10, and 10. Um, He didn't. Right. Um, A game where DeMarcus Cousins seemingly could have played better. I'm not saying had like a huge game, but just played better than he did. He didn't. Iggy, um, who literally should retire like Livingston after this year, (laughs) um, gave all he could. Um, You just, you have pieces that are, like, veteran pieces, but they're not young veteran pieces. So it's like you're not right. going to get a breakout 30-point game from Iggy. Livingston's not about to no. drop you 20, 20 real quick, 15 to 20 real quick. Um, he was so great in game four, but right. – He was. But yeah, he was. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, no, but you're right. So you, 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 don't, you don't have that, and it, it's interesting because I think they played – they have these spurts of like really great defensive play, and this this is attributable to Game Four as well. Um, but it wasn't sustainable. It, and the biggest problem with their team, as it is currently constructed without Kevin Durant, is mm-hmm. that the guys that they bring off the bench can't play defense, and the guys that they like would like to play, who play elite level defense, can't score the ball. So it's like right. you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like Iguodala, yeah, he made that big three at the end of game two, but like 
you can't rely on him to make three-point shots for you. You can't rely right. on Draymond Green to be an efficient scorer either. Um, so, you know, without having, especially in game three, without having Clay, but, like, furthermore, just without having KD for this whole series thus far, like, you don't have the necessary amount of balance between offensive productivity and defensive sustainability in order to um, play for 48 minutes. Right. And I, I'll say this. I've Because me and you have had this conversation I think benches, when you have elite an elite starting lineup, are overrated, um, right. especially in the playoffs. Um, right. But we are seeing that if you don't have not even an ounce of bench help, um, one player going down could drastically swing everything. Um, and yeah. we're seeing that with Durant going down has just drastically swung everything. And I know a lot mm-hmm. of people are going to go, well, you need Durant for the Rockets. And it's like, yeah, but Rockets, like Warriors Rockets, seemingly are the equivalent of what LeBron did with Toronto when he was in the East. The Rockets just can't right. get past Golden State. Um, yeah. like, they just can't. That's very I don't know true. why, but they can't. Um, right. It's different when you play a team whose biggest strength is defense, who happens to yeah. have guys that can hit shots. Like that is when, if you're the Warriors, you're like, damn, we've never had to play a team whose first strength was defense, and then they just happened to be able to score really well when need be. Yeah. Um, so it's just it's, they don't really know what to do with it. So And I think if Durant was there, he could help uh, neutralize Kawhi, um, just like Kawhi could neutralize Durant. So that would be a, a really right. interesting matchup to see. Um, yeah. It's just the Warriors, their focus is, all right, we'll put Clay, excuse me, on Lowry when we need to. We'll have Iggy on on um, Leonard when we need to. But what happens when your two best defenders that are healthy uh, in Clay and Iguodala aren't at 100%, either one of them? Kawhi's going to expose right. that. He's going to expose that yeah. the entire and time. And I remember, yeah. um, and he, he completely did it. So to me, it's like that game three just showcased you that the Raptors are right now with no Durant on that team. And I would even say I would make an argument even with Durant. They're just a better team. And I don't even think it's yeah. necessarily the idea of being outcoached. I think whenever the other team doesn't have a lot of its pieces, especially its biggest piece, it's hard to say you're being outcoached because you look at Curry and you're like, well, he dropped the 47, you know, and then you look at game four where you're like, well, him and Clay didn't have huge games but had games that should have gotten them a win. Um, it's hard to say that, that you were outcoached. But I will say, um, Nick Nurse, I believe is his name, I have to give him way more credit than I have. Like, I thought Nick Nurse and Kawhi was the equivalent of LeBron and Ty Lue to where it was like, it's easy to coach a huge, like, a huge talent like that. Like, the talent is what makes the game easier for you to coach. But Nick Nurse has been showing me through the, the you know, throughout these playoffs that he, he does make good coaching adjustments that you can't just look at and go, well, you got Kawhi, so, like, it doesn't matter. Like, no, he's doing a really good coaching job. Um, yeah. So that game three was just like, wow, Golden State, you needed to win that one, and then, wow, you needed to win game four, and you somehow yeah. lost both. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. No, no, I agree with you, and I think with that we can move on to game four. Um, like, they, they needed – they kind of punted on game three by, like, resting um clay 
and I think that was smart. Um, obviously, like if they had somehow managed to win Game Three, um, then like you're 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 looking at a situation where you don't feel like you have to rush anybody back. Um, and so you know that that to me that's that's smart. But with Game Four, the fact they lost Game Three. They obviously brought uh, Clay Thompson back. They uh, uh, Kevon Looney made like a miraculous comeback that nobody expected. I mean, I thought he was going to. They be got a Lazarus pit. They got a Lazarus yeah. pit, Nick. I just want to point that right. out. They got a Lazarus pit over there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one would think. Um, yeah, I guess KD's just not using it, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe. I I don't know, uh, but uh, but regardless, like you know, they br- they brought both those guys back for Game Four, and they got off to a hot start, and they pretty much controlled the first half of that game. Um, but even still, like even with them controlling the game, and Clay Thompson had a fucking remarkable game. Like Clay Thompson was um, like very solid throughout this whole game. He he. You didn't get the notion that he was quite as um, effective defensively as he normally is, and that's you know to to be expected given his his injury. Um, but um, offensively, I mean, he was hitting shots like it was every time he stroked a three, I was like, that's in, even if it wasn't. Like I was like, well, that's going in. Um, like so, I, you know, I totally expected it, and you know, he was basically able to kind of. Um, be that calming force for them throughout the first half of that game. And then in the third quarter, um, the, the quarter in which the, you know, the Warriors normally blow things wide open, uh, the, the, the Raptors were just able to kind of turn the tide and, and just like slowly chip away at them. And, you know, they regained the lead early in the third quarter. Um, and then, it went back and forth for the majority of the third quarter. And then down the stretch of the third quarter in the last like four or five minutes, um, the Raptors just, just built up a solid lead. I think they went into the fourth quarter with a 12 point lead. Um, and like, they were just able to essentially like manhandle the warriors um, to, to a degree that I don't feel like we've ever really seen. Um, like even, I don't know. I, I feel like even with the Cavs in 2016, it wasn't quite in the same fashion. Um, with the Cavs, it wasn't as much defense. It was it, 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 some of it was, um, and, and some of it was just Tristan Thompson being a beast, you know, on 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 the block and rebounding and all that defensively. Um, but you know, with this team, it was like they were guarding the perimeter on on an elite level. Um, everybody was hitting shots. Um, I think we talked about this uh, with our with our preview for Game Three and, and like what Toronto needed out of their guys. And you brought up Siakam, and I, you know, and I, while I did agree that like Siakam needed to you know play well, and he he definitely did um, in both of these games. Um, to me, I, like I was very on board with the all hands on deck theory, um, and all in, in Game Three and Four, Siakam played well. Gasol played well enough. Lowry played amazingly well. Um, you know, you, you got a good performance out of Van Vliet in both, uh, you know, both these games. Uh, so, like, all the way around, this team performed 
very well. Danny Green obviously was great in game three. He wasn't great in game four by any stretch of the imagination, but he did hit a couple clutch shots down the stretch. Um, like, all of their guys played great. Serge Ibaka was dominant at the end of game three, blocking so many shots and just, like, protecting the paint. And then in game four, like, he was so efficient um, with his scoring. He had that one play where he kind of, like, dribbled behind his back and took a step-back jumper from, like, I don't know, like 20 feet and nailed it, like, right in DeMarcus Cousins' face. And I was just like, oh, my God, okay. Like, that was a a total no, 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 yes type of play. Like, you did not want him taking that shot, but, like, when it went in, you were just like, okay, cool. Um, Like, just – Everybody is picking up the slack. Every it's an all hands on deck thing, and when you have a star like Kawhi Leonard, you can afford to do that. Um, you can really afford to um, not have a uh, like a, a quote unquote second guy. You can you can just kind of make things work where they work and how they work and and and. You know, Lowry has some has some buckets. Van Vliet has some buckets. Um, Abaka makes some big shots. Siakam does. Gasol does. And you just just make it work game to game. And whoever's got the out of hand, you go with him. Uh, when you got a guy like Kawhi, who's going to be the sustainable factor, and essentially like again, um, Kawhi kept them in this game in the first quarter. In that first quarter. Like, they were atrocious. Nobody was making shots. Kawhi Leonard was the only guy who could give them anything in the first quarter of game four. Um, And he basically – he made, like, a big three um, shortly before halftime and, like, brought it within, I think, I want to say seven or eight points and um, almost hit a big three going into uh, the second quarter um, to, like, cut it to three. Um, I think it was six because they, they, they ended up pulling off um, two points from um, a shot that Steph Curry made that was uh, actually happened after a shot clock violation. Um, but So it ended up being three points. Um, but, like, you know, obviously Kawhi was just, like, had the hot hand going in. And, and like, that's the thing. This, is, this guy, like, came into this game, looked at it, saw what was happening, knew what he needed to do for his team and just kept his team afloat in the first quarter. And then they all kind of started picking up in the second quarter. And then when they hit the third quarter, everybody had the necessary confidence to like go out there and really contribute. And, um, you know, I, that's just a testament to Kawhi. It's a testament to Masai Ujiri. It's a testament to the Raptors. Um, and like, good on him, man. Like that, that game was, an amazing game to watch from the perspective of what a defensive-minded team can do when they have an elite offensive player who can help get his guys the confidence to go out there and, 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 and buy them the time in order to make an impact on the offensive side of the floor. Um, and it, it was just it was remarkable to watch. And, I, I, you know, as much as I felt um, – Early on in, in, in the game, in game three, like, I felt like, you know, there, there was no way that Golden State was going to be able to, like, overcome it. 
Um, I felt the same way in game four as it pertained to Toronto. I just felt like Golden State's got the momentum. They got Clay back. Like Toronto's not going to be able to overcome this, and they did. Like They were able to overcome it, so much so that at the end of the third quarter, they went on this huge streak and ended up going into the fourth quarter up by 12. It, it was an amazing performance like by all of the Raptors, but particularly Kawhi Leonard. Um, what was your big takeaway from game four? Uh, lack of effort from Golden State. Um, I, I, I can't tell you how many times throughout this series I've seen a ball hit the backboard and no one from Golden State jumped. Um, Dude, there was the Raptors, there was that one there was that one play where um it was a a, a three ball I believe and it it came off the rim and it bounced back to like mid court and it was mid court before Fran Van Vliet finally picked it up and started like going the other way and there was like a triangle of warriors who were like right in, in like the ball was right in the middle of a triangle of warriors and Van Vliet just like rushed in and grabbed it and went the other way with it and I was just like really like y'all just like none of y'all are gonna go for that ball there's three of you right there none of you made an active effort to go get that ball yeah and it I've seen it throughout the series like it's not just just this I feel as though they're very content with um they're very content with one or two things I think either Golden State plays as if they know Durant will be back, and when he's back, it'll make everything better, because um, they have come back from a 3-1 lead. Um, so, right. you know, it, it's not like they, they don't know what it takes to do it. They've done it. It, sure. it was one of the things that kicked off, um, you know, their their legacy as, as you know, yeah. Clay and, and, and Seth's legacy. So Game to six, me, yeah. Right, right. One of those games, Clay went bananas. Clay game legit six. was the yeah. reason they weren't. Yes, that was the reason they weren't sent home. Um, he just went yeah. freaking bananas. So we know they're yeah. all capable of it. Um, so I, I think they're either thinking that, or it's just one of those things where it's just it's progressive fatigue. Um, we know not not near one of their starting five. I I'd say maybe Draymond and, and Steph. You could maybe say are are the more healthy of the the five, um, they're banged up, and they're playing as if they are. But to me, I would understand if they're playing and you're just getting outplayed because you don't have the talent or your guys just can't do it. No, I'm just seeing a Raptors team that just wants it more. They want it more yeah. because they know how long it's been, especially Kyle Lowry, the guy that's been on that team the longest. You've been to the doorstep of the finals. Just never been able to walk in. So it's like he knows mm-hmm. how hard it is to get to the finals, let alone get yeah. to the finals and then win it. So it's like they're playing like that, and I respect it so yeah. much. But I'm watching gold like that first quarter, Nick. Remember when DeMarcus brought it up the court three times and got the ball stolen each of the three times? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are you doing? What are you yeah. doing? You have three primary ball handlers in Draymond, Clay, and Steph. Why is the ball ever in DeMarcus Cousins' hand? Ever. Yeah, like just because he can bring it up court, yeah. yes, just because he can bring it up court does not mean your big man should ever bring it up court, let alone right. start to break and, down what the play is going to be. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, and I found it to be no coincidence that, um, I mean, how many minutes did he play in game four? Um, uh, uh, 
very, very fucking little, if at all. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm 15. I just looked it up. Played 15 minutes in game four. Because, um, like, he just wasn't effective. And with, with, with you know, Kavon Looney coming back, obviously, um, you know, he was a guy that they trusted more. Um, and, and down the stretch of that game, they even trusted Bogut more. They played Bogut in, in minutes down the stretch of that game. Looney played 20. Bogut only played 11 to Cousins 15. Um, but, like, like late in the game when they were down and needed like that went went to the guy they trusted they definitely went to um uh bogut uh when when looney couldn't play so like yeah i dude this this team is just discombobulated they don't they don't really know exactly what to do um as far as like how to um how to capitalize on you know what's going to be the best lineup. And the thing is, I I don't like the notion of, um, well, they need Durant or this team doesn't need Durant. It's like, well, it's not that simple. Um, yeah, they, they, they really need Durant because they don't have the adequate depth that they would have had without him. Um, right. Like if they had never gotten him, they would have had more depth and they'd be fine. Um, and not in the sense that they would have won all the, you know, championships or games or whatever that they won, but they would be, you know, they would be adequate. Um, but because they don't have that depth and they also don't have Durant, yes, they need him. They really do. They really need him because they gave up all of this depth in order to get him. And now that they don't have that depth and they don't have him, they don't really have anywhere else to go. Um so yeah, I mean they do need him. And, I mean, and that's, I do that's not say, to say that's not to say that they needed him to join their team in order to do what they did, you know, up until this point. Obviously, he helped them, um, but they need him now because of all of the things that they gave up in order to get him. Right, and I will say I think, uh, especially hearing that's why I never listen to Stephen A. Smith's show anymore. Um, but guys like I don't him either. saying, guys like him saying, if Durant's back, all your problems. No, they're not because you're now asking someone who hasn't right. played in weeks, weeks right. to come in and drop forty for you, and then you're assuming right. Clay can drop twenty five, and then you're assuming Steph and can you're drop assuming, thirty, and so, you're assuming that the offense like flows flawlessly. Like we all right. know that this offense works like differently with Durant involved. So you're going to have to kind of like revert back to how you play with Durant. There's, there's so many question marks. Don't get me wrong. I, and I'm sure you agree with me here. This seems way better off with like Durant coming back for game five than they are with it without him. Um, but right. like that doesn't, that, that doesn't mean all their fucking troubles are over. Like they're already down. No. They, and... uh, they're already down two games. That like they only have they have a one game margin for the next three games, assuming they don't lose in the meantime. And like yeah, they I mean that like Durant is not going to solve all your problems. Um, he's going to help, but that that's not that's just Durant coming back is not enough um, to essentially be uh, your your savior. 
Right, and I I think it's unfair to to put the pressure on him in in that sense because what if he does come back, right? And Kawhi and they still lose. Right. right, and Kawhi neutralizes them, and the Especially game is still in Especially considering he's not 100. percent Right, and um, uh, you know, and if, especially being that we saw what Clay and Steph can do, right? And what Clay yeah. and Steph can do is how they're down three one. Um, so it's like, all right, if if Durant's not 100 percent and Kawhi is kind of bothering him, you're gonna need Clay and Steph to carry that load for Durant, and Durant just to be the cherry on top. But we have not seen Clay and Steph on the floor together in the same game be able to do that. So to me, it's like, and then if, if you go back to even because remember, if uh, Kawhi could get a better a better stance on that. Um, remember when Steph in I think it was Game Three, uh, I could be mm-hmm. mixing it up, um, but passed it to Iguodala. But the pass to Steph was one that was like a 50-50 ball, like Kawhi could have gotten it if he got there a second earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That's game two. Right. Oh, I'm sorry, game two. So if Kawhi gets that, gets the bucket, they go to overtime, Toronto wins that game, Warriors are already home, and we're prepping for a rally in in Toronto. So to me, it's like if you're Golden State, you don't have the luxury of saying, oh, no, 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 once we get the big guy back, we're about to make this run. It's like it's not that simple. Because if if the series was tied and then they just went up a game, I could see it like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, all you're missing is Durant. That's not where we're at. <laughs> we're at right. the fact that yeah, you're three, you're down three one, and it very easily could have been a sweep, a four zero sweep. Right. So to By me, the way, I don't think it's fair to put that on Durant. No, I I don't either. Um, by the way, did you was was I the only one who noticed um when there's like the the shot. Um, after the game, I believe either Steph or, or Clay was walking. It, it had to be Steph because Clay walked off real quick. Um, so I, I, I think it had to be Steph. He's like walking down the tunnel, and then they bring up uh, this little highlight at the bottom of the screen, and it says teams that go down three one are like thirty three and one all time, <laughs> or team, teams that go up three one are thirty three and one all time. And I was like, really? Who? Will you really think you can lay that stat on top of Steph right now, like while he's walking down the fucking tunnel, just losing the game? Like, some that shit, bro. Like that's that's a real cold shit. Um, luckily they didn't have like an asterisk beside it saying uh, this was indeed the Warriors led by Steph Curry, like you know, under it. Um, but like they might as well have. Like I was just like, holy shit, dude, just fucking. No holds bar on this motherfuckers, um, but uh, nevertheless, yeah, I, I'm very skeptical. I mean, I, I, I will be super shocked if Golden State is able to pull off three straight wins at this point. Like, I'm gonna um, say this, Nick. I, yeah, I'm gonna say this. I'd be shocked if they won in Toronto Monday. Uh, in that's game five, I yeah. Yeah, Me that's too. where I'm at. So let alone winning the the series, because if they win, yeah. if they win in Toronto, I'm gonna tell you this right now. If they win in Toronto, and there's even a slight shot Durant can come back for six and seven, I'm giving it to the Warriors. Because if they can win nah, on the road here in a game that's crucial, yeah, I yeah. think going back home they could win that game. Um, especially if they can get Durant back for the last two games, I would then kind of move the pendulum more their way. But I don't even see them winning this this game five. 
So let alone making it a series, I don't see them winning Game Five. Well, I don't. I don't know what the odds are on teams that are down three-one who win Game Five coming back to win the series, but I know that only one team has ever done it. <laughs> so uh, it's not thirty-three and one, but it's something in one. Uh, and I, dude, I just, I, I, I'm not gonna say it's done, like, cause it's never done until it's done. Um, but it, like, even if they win Game Five, I'm not gonna give them a whole lot of credence to win the next two games, even if Katie comes back. And like, honestly, at this point, I just don't expect him to come back. He like, he wants to come back. He's trying to come back from all the reports that I hear. But like, he's just. His his fucking leg is all fucked up, dude. Like, and like he he just he can't play right now. Um, and you know, like I don't know. Maybe if they win, if if he doesn't play in game five, but they win game five and they go back to Oracle, um, maybe that's enough to make him like come out on a hobbled leg. But like seriously, dude, if I'm KD, like I gotta I gotta know that like. I can actually fucking contribute. You know what I mean? Like, I don't have to know that I'm 100% healthy or anything, but I got to know that, like, I'm going to be effective. I'm going to be helpful to my team, effective to my team. Um, And if his legs as fucked up as what I've heard, um, he's not going to be helpful nor be able to contribute to to helping them win a game. Um, And, like, I, I just... I, in that case, like, dude, don't fucking don't put yourself in that court. Don't put yourself in that position. Like, I don't, I don't fault him at all like, on that. Um, to me, go ahead. To me, I put, I would fault Durant if he came back knowing he wasn't a hundred percent and looked bad. Um, I would fault him. I would not give him the excuse of, well, you know, he was injured and he was just trying to help his. Team. No, man, no. Mainly because this narrative right now. How the well, Warriors are looking without you, I think, helps mm-hmm. you, especially going into your free agency. Sure. It helps you sure. tremendously. It helps your storyline, and it helps Not the that entire – free agency um, help, but – No, 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 no. I just mean for his legacy. It helps knowing that on your way out, you were such a big need to that team um, with how, how bad they looked. And let's not kid ourselves. The Warriors from game let's, one have looked bad. Um, I'll say this, Juwan. Good. Speaking of let's not kid ourselves, let's not pretend that there won't be a narrative out there that says, like, Katie could have come back and helped this team but was so selfish because of his free agency desires that, you know, knowing he was going to go to the Knicks, that, like, he didn't want to risk further injury. Like, you know that's going to happen. Like, people hate Kevin Durant. So much, you know that's going to happen. I get you. It's stupid, but it's going to happen. To me personally, that's that's the furthest thing from the truth, only because this. Kevin Durant can tell the Knicks, look, what happened was I tore something. I'm not going to be able to play for whoever I go with um, the first half of of next season. The Knicks would still max Kevin Durant out. The Warriors would max Kevin Durant out. The Nets would max him out. So the narrative oh, yeah. of he's just doing Everybody this. Everybody So the next team, so the next no, no. team, um, but you're, would sign, it's you're like, explaining logically why that narrative is stupid. 
I'm just telling you that narrative will be presented. That's all I'm saying. Oh, I got you. I got you. No, I got you. I got you. I got you. Yeah. I got you. Um, but nevertheless, like, yeah, okay, so we've kind of already alluded to it, game five. I – I'm kind of like I'm with you. I'm I'm kind of expecting the Raptors to win this. Um, I I I kind of hope that it, at least it's like a close game. Um, I'm not like I said. I'm not expecting Katie to come back in this series. I just think there's there's more going on with his leg um, and his hamstring slash Achilles and all of how that connects. That like we don't know um, and. You know, ultimately, I think he wants to play. He knows he can't play. The doctors know he shouldn't play, uh, and so he's not going to play. Um, and I think the team knows that too. And you know, like they're just going to have to try and win without him. And, and I just don't think they can. Like this Raptors team is just too good. Like I, I overestimated. And, and you know, it's funny. Because I, I overestimated the Warriors, um, but I also underestimated the Raptors, um, because like particularly because of the way they played Philly, and I, I don't think I play, paid close enough attention to how dominant they were down the stretch against Milwaukee. Um, but the way they played Philly, they did not look like a legit title contender. Um, Philly looked like the better team in that series, and um, Basically, Toronto got out by on you know by the hair of their chinny chin chins, and you know but they they seemed to like flip a switch um, when they when they got to Milwaukee, um, and they continue that into this series. So I, I will freely admit that I underestimated them, um, but I think I also overestimated you know the Warriors, and I even kind of alluded to this in the pod that I did with, um, I think, Joel. I said, you know, like, perhaps there's the possibility that we are maybe giving the Warriors too much credence on sweeping the Blazers because they just match up really well with the Blazers and the fact that the Blazers had, like, the easiest path to get to the Eastern or the Western Conference Finals out of any team to get to the Conference Finals um, in either league, um, either conference, rather. They had the easiest path, um, and they it still took them, uh, you know, seven games uh, in, in the semifinals to get there. Um, like, maybe we're just, like, giving them too much credit. Uh, and I think there's a part of that that's true in the sense that um, the Warriors, um, you know, went up against a team in the Blazers that were never really a legit contender. Um, but the Raptors went back to back with teams that were legit contenders in the East. They, they had to fight Philly and it took them seven games. And then they had to fight through, um, you know, Milwaukee, whereas, you know the the Warriors they had to the, the fight through Houston, but once they were able to do that, they could just kind of go into coast mode. And I felt like maybe that kind of transition into the finals, um, you know, whereas Toronto had to battle the whole way to get there. Um, and, they, and and even you know 
back to the first round, even though it wasn't ever really um, close um, as far as a series in general. They did lose that first game against Orlando in a heartbreaking fashion. Um, so even that like gave them that kind of um, spirited edge to like really go after it. Uh, and and I just I don't think the Warriors they just they just look so like lackadaisical throughout this whole season. Even against the Clippers, they looked that way. Um, and seemingly that's why they lost two games. They they kind of buckled down for the Rockets, but then they look lackadaisical. Granted, within a sweep, but they they just they probably should have um, beat you know, won those games by a larger margin than they did. Um, and then, you know, when they came into this series, you know, you, you're still seeing this, like, lackadaisical nature, whether it be, like, it, it, I, I, well, I'll say this. I think the biggest thing that I see is just Draymond Green's, what he said after game three, which is, well, you know what? Like, at this point, you know, we go win, we go win game four, and then we go back uh, to Toronto and we win game five. And then, you know, we come back here and we win game six, and then we party. And that's how it's going to happen. And it's like, dude, like, that's, that's – You know what that reminds me of? That's, there's a fine line between confidence and, like, blind fucking, you know, uh, whatever. But, yeah, what does it remind you of? It reminds me of when Clint Capella said, I want the, war- I want the Warriors. Then didn't show up not yeah. one game of that series. A little bit. Not a one game. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like – you 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 kind of speak before you're in the moment, and then uh, I think with players, I think what they don't realize is you have to like you have to be on. Like you can't say stuff like that, and then like you only have eight points, Draymond. Like you have to ball. Like you can't be one of the reasons why that team lost. If you're gonna be the one that that's that vocal, so I think and it just it, it's a lack of effort. It just is. Like it kind of seems like they're just ready for the season to be over, and it's like. That's fine to play that way if you're if this is game one of the of the first round of the playoffs. Like that's fine. Like you've been there, you've won your championship, you just don't have the guys, you just want to go home. Like that's fine. You can't get to the finals and now you're playing as if it's just like, whatever, we'll just be back next year. Like it doesn't matter. Like, no 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 no. You can't take that for granted. Well, all of you guys but that's need to the thing. fall out. I don't I don't think they're I wouldn't argue that they're playing that way. Um, I would just argue that, like, the way that, like, especially Draymond, the way that he's talking, um, mm-hmm. he's trying to project this image that he is not afraid of them and he knows everything's going to be okay. And it's like, dude, like, no. Everything's, like, you need to be, like, you need to not be so confident that everything's going to be okay. You need to project. Like, if you want to be a leader, you need to project an, a, like this 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 notion that like, dude, like we're we're on on the fucking ropes now. Like, we need to buckle down and fucking get shit together because we have not played well. We and that's not what's happening. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's, and that's, that's why the opposite love, of what Draymond is is projecting. That's why I love guys like Kobe. They they were playing on um I saw on ESPN's Instagram. Um Kobe in that in that Celtics series where they're up 2-0. And the guy goes, "Kobe, are we ever going to see like a smile from you? Like you should be happy. You're up 2-0." And he was like, 
Is the series over after two games? No. All right, how many right. games? Four. All right, cool. So when we win four games and we win the championship, that's, that's when you'll see your, you'll see your me smile. smile. But, like, I have yeah. nothing to be excited about till we hoist that, uh, that trophy. So it's like, don't come to me in game two like, yeah, yeah, yeah everything should be great. Like, you guys are up too low. No, no, no. Our goal is to win the series, not just two games. Right. So if you're Draymond, and that's what you're seeing from the Raptors. Great. Right. Right. That's exactly what you're seeing from the Raptors. And to me, I yep. don't mind Golden State having confidence. I mean, you heard Clay having confidence before um, before the game with saying, um, you know, the guy asked him like, you're gonna have a great Game Six performance, and he's like, dude, I don't even know what I'm eating for dinner tonight. Like, don't ask me about Game Six. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, I don't mind you guys having confidence. It's just the one thing you can't lack when you hit the floor is, um, is, is the want to, like you're lacking energy. Like the fact that the Raptors are getting rebounds when there's five warriors and one Raptor, like, come on. The fact that they're able to run screens for Van Vliet to get him open threes, like he's Curry. That's effort. That's effort. And I never thought I'd watch Golden State and say they lack effort. Um, so that's why I say, Nick, I feel like they just want the series to be over because they're playing as if it's over. Each game, they, they play with a lack of effort as if the series is over. That's what I mean by yeah. that. So it's like you guys got to get the sense of we got to get a win now, and we got to turn it up yeah. with or without Durant. Well, I think they open game four like that. I think they open game three like that. They just they, – they didn't play the whole game that way. Um, and, and again, the, to me, the biggest thing is just, um, they, especially after game four, like, um, they just got their ass kicked and Steph and, and Clay had all the right answers as far as what they expect going forward and what they want to try to achieve and, 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 and how they approach the rest of the series. And Draymond was again, just like, no nah, man, it's all good. Like this is this is how we all planned it. Like it's just like, dude, it, that's the kind of impression that I got from him. And I was just like, dude, this is like I know you're trying to project this confidence. It's just like you, you're coming off as just like not caring or not. And and I know that's not the case. I'm just just it's the way he comes off, and it's 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 um I, I don't know. It's slightly concerning. Um. But you know we'll we'll see we'll see how it all plays out. Obviously we still have, um, you know, we'll, game five will be a huge um, game as far as just like where the series goes. I mean, obviously if the Raptors win, they win the series. Uh, if the Warriors win, they go back home, um, and and maybe they you give them a slight edge because. They go home to play game six, and if they win that, then they've won two in a row. They start to go back and play in Toronto, but, you know, maybe they have some momentum. Maybe they have KD back. Um, but it's just at this point, I feel like um, obviously the more complete team is Toronto, and uh, they they just have a very stark advantage, both uh, having a 3-1 lead and just having um, an identity and knowing what they're what they're going out there to do night to night. Um, and, you know, furthermore, uh, you know, we didn't in, – in this game, you know, they didn't even get like a great game out of all their guys. 
um, which I thought they did get in, in game three. Um, Danny Green, like, was not great, you know, throughout the majority of this game. Um, and, that you know, that that almost kind of hurt them in a sense. Siakam wasn't as good as he was in, in game four, at least in the first half of uh, or game three, in the first half of game three. Um, but they got it that, you know, Gasol wasn't as good, but they got, you know, what they needed out of Lowry. They got what they needed out of Van Vliet. They got what they needed out of um, Ibaka. Uh, and then down the stretch, they got what they needed out of everybody. Um, and obviously, they always get what they need out of Kawhi. Um, so they just got a complete team, man. They're just like a really well put together team. And I think, uh, I, I honestly think, uh, um, from the perspective of how Philly matches up, matched up against this team versus, um, how this particular uh, Golden State team matches up against them, I just I think they were totally prepared uh, to play um, to, to 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 go against um, Golden State's defense by how Philly played them. But I learned a lot from having to score on Philadelphia, um, and uh, that. I think has certainly translated into these finals. Um, and they even learned, you know, a lot from playing Milwaukee. Um, and, you know, they're just a very veteran-laden team. They have a lot of veterans, um, a lot of guys who, you know, have competed in big games and know what it's like to play on a big stage. Um, and, and that's invaluable as well. So um, I think we just kind of maybe all underrated the Raptors, um, except – Honestly, Juwan, except you, surprisingly enough, like uh, I did pick the I did pick the Raptors to win the East going into the finals, but I did pick Milwaukee to beat them before that series. Halfway through the Philly series, I picked them to beat Philly, and I think you were the only one out of all of us who picked Toronto to beat Milwaukee going into that series. And did you pick Toronto to beat Golden State? I, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't remember. Because I do remember the last show we had, um, I was saying how Golden State got um, Durant back. Like, I, I would swing it in their favor. So I'm not going to be right. the, the guy that lies. I'm not 100% sure. I won't lie about that. But I definitely remember saying I thought they were going to beat Milwaukee. Um, I had that right. much faith in Kawhi Leonard. Um, so right. I will say I, I felt that. I, I definitely felt that, but I won't lie and say I, I knew about the finals because I did not yeah, see happening. I, I seem to vaguely remember that because that was a show with you, me, and Joel, and I think I said regardless of whether Katie comes back or not, Warriors at six, and you were like, eh, I don't know about that. <laughs> um, so, like, I don't know. I, regardless of whether you picked it or not, I feel like your instincts were in the right place. So props on that. Um, before we, before we uh, wrap it up here, um, I want to talk a little bit about this Hawks and Nets trade. Um, so uh, just to break it down, uh, the Hawks and Nets um, essentially agreed to a trade. It can't be conducted until uh, the off season officially begins, um, but it will be conducted in, in, you know, very shortly. Um, so essentially, the Hawks take on Allen Kraft's $18.5 million expiring contract uh, and also get uh, the number 17 overall pick, um, the 2020 first rounder from Brooklyn, lottery protected, so 1 through 14 protected. Um, and the Nets, in return, 
get uh, Torian Prince and the 2021 second round pick from the Atlanta Hawks. Um, what do you think about this trade um, on like on a on the surface level? Um, and then we'll get into potential implications on what it might mean. But just like, what do you think about the surface level between the Hawks, the Nets? Do you think any particular side won this deal? Um, uh, you know, I, I don't really like looking at trades like that per se. Um, but you know, if if you want to kind of qualify a winner, feel free. Um, but uh, but like, just what do you think about the trade in general for both sides? I think it was a solid trade for both sides. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I don't really have much more to say than just a solid trade for both sides. Um, as far as the idea of a winner of it, um, Brooklyn, if what they were trading for actually comes to fruition, then, yeah, obviously they would have won it. Um, but, I mean, I look at the Hawks, and I'm like, they're a few more pieces away from easily being a sixth, seventh, or eighth seed Um uh, next season and possibly going forward. Um, that team has such a bright future. So anything they do, I'm really interested in seeing um, because I kind of just feel like they understand what they need to do. And it's an organization that, what, maybe eight to ten years ago, I think maybe that's too long, um, was number one in the East. So, I mean, this is a but franchise that – it wasn't even that, that long ago. Oh, okay, then perfect. So this isn't a franchise that's been losing for so many years. Oh, okay, then cool. So this isn't a franchise that has no idea what it's doing. They know what they're doing. They just like to do it from the ground up. Um, And since they can't really get a big-name free agent, I think the fact that they've even looked seemingly good um, is definitely positive uh, in what the Hawks are going to do going forward. Yeah. um, I I also think this is a win-win. For the Hawks, um, you're obviously taking on some salary, but, like, Anybody who thought the Hawks were going to attract, um, you know, a Kevin Durant or um, a Kawhi Leonard or a Clay Thompson, um, this is this is just a pipe dream. It's wishful thinking, um, and you know, I think Schlink, obviously being uh, a GM and actually knowing what he's dealing with, um, kind of like knew that, uh, and so he thought he would use his cap space in a better manner, um, and he did. Um, so taking on uh, Crab's $18.5 million expiring in exchange for, um, uh, you know, $3.5 million in expiring salary from Torian Prince, um, a guy that, you know, maybe they didn't – they weren't 100% sold on and, and probably didn't necessarily want to re-sign – um, you know, or were worried about what the what the bottom line cost was going to be to resign him, especially since um, you know the league seems to value him a lot more than the Hawks organization does um, because he's six eight, thirty nine percent from three last year. Um, he, he's he's looked at as a three and D guy, but his defense isn't really all that good. Like it's. It's like theoretically good defense, but it's, it's like it, it like it, hopefully if if you get into your like play through your first three years in the league, your your defense isn't theoretical anymore. It's actually just good or bad or whatever. Um, but seemingly the league still thinks like he's a defensive player. 
Um, and I, I don't think the Hawks were there anymore. Um, like, like watching him on a on a game to game basis, um, I think Hawks fans, um, and 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 I'm sure you know their 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 coaches, um, could kind of see like the holes in his defensive game, and you know they were like, yeah, maybe maybe this isn't a guy we want to pay fifteen million dollars a year next year, which may be what he costs because. He's a six eight wing who can shoot three. Somebody's going to overpay him. Like somebody's going to be like, we want that guy. We're going to overpay him. And you know the Hawks didn't want to be in a position where they were like, oh shit, I guess we got a match. Um, because then he loses that trade value. Um, so to go ahead and get out in front of that and to trade him, uh, to get a first round pick for him, and then to get an additional first round pick for taking on Alan Kraft's contract, um, great. Uh, yeah, we had to send back a second-round pick, uh, but we got a ton of those, um, so it, it, it's not a big deal. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we got two first-round picks in, in the equation. Uh, I think it was a very, very solid deal um, for the Hawks, I, um, I, I, and I don't think we're done. I, I think there's going to be other moves involved. I don't know if it's moving up. I don't know if it's moving down and, and, and getting – additional assets in the future. Um, it could be something as simple as just trading a couple second-round picks for future second-round picks, um, like we saw last year when they traded um, the number 34 pick, I believe, um, for two additional second round, future second-round picks. And I believe those are coming from Charlotte. So, like, if Charlotte doesn't bring that Kimba, those, those all of a sudden, like, look like very good values. Um you know, obviously, last year I was upset when we did it because I really wanted us to take Mitchell Robinson, um, and uh, you know that that turned out to kind of, you know, seemingly uh, after seeing how he played this year, seemed like that would have been a smart decision. Um, but you know, those two future second round picks could turn into be something um, equally as good, or you know, combined together better than just one said Mitchell Robinson. Um, so Schlink seems like he's just like so far ahead of the curve um, as far as like um, just as far as the moves that he makes, and I don't know. I'm 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 excited to see what we're able to do with having an additional draft asset. Um, whether that means moving up, moving down, uh, moving sideways, uh, as far as like, getting additional future assets. Um, you know, it, it, it's. The Hawks seem like they're in a really good place, uh, and I'm very excited to see where we go from here. All right. Um, as for you know the, the the obvious talk that comes next, Brooklyn has freed up um, two max cap slots, or or the potential for two max cap slots, if you will, um, by by moving on from their only bad contract now in Crab. Um, I think they have two 30% max cap spots right now, um, but like to sign, say, a 35% max guy like Kevin Durant, they'd have to move on from like Joe Harris or Spencer Dinwiddie um, for for nothing in return. But those deals would be so easy to fucking make. Um, like you would even get assets just for sending that those players off because they're, you know, Harris can hit threes, Dinwiddie can be a starting point guard on five teams out there right now. Um, mm-hmm. And 
uh, you know, so that you, you go, you, you're not going to, you're not going to have to give up assets to get rid of those guys. Um, so with that being said, uh, how nervous are you as a Knicks fan right now um, with the thought that the Nets are putting themselves into position in order to go after two max salary guys and the fact that we got the recent report in that Kyrie um, is is the highest right now on the Nets? Um, not nervous at all. You, you mean the same Kyrie that a few months ago said um... – I'll stay here in Boston if you'll have me. Then said, ask me again in July. Then you heard the reports that he was looking forward to the Knicks. Now you're hearing reports about I'm looking forward to the Nets. You heard Lakers reports. I, Kyrie is the one guy that I'm kind of just like, whatever, man. I, I don't care. Like, whatever you decide to do doesn't matter. But am I worried about the Nets? No. And I also resent the statement of the Nets have been a better run organization than the Knicks. Um I, I, I don't like the idea of that. I don't like it at all because they haven't. What? Um, they, have, they have not been a better run organization than the Knicks. They have not. In the, they have not. In the past five years, they have. Time out. Let me ask you this. If they didn't make the playoffs, would you still feel that way? Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. That's a different conversation for a different day. I'll just leave it at no, this. I, I 100% would feel the same way because, like, dude, they've made as as much as possible out of nothing. Like, okay, let me ask you this. Who's a better player, Karis LeVert or who's the best player right now on the fucking Knicks? Yeah, Nick, but you can't ask me that. I'm biased. Of course I'm going to say Knox, I think, is a, is, is a better player than LeVert. Or Are Dennis you kidding Smith me? Karis LeVert is way or, better than fucking Knox. Way but fucking. You're better. asking Harris me as a put up valuable minutes in the fucking playoffs against the Sixers. He won them a fucking game in game one. I hear like, you. Fucking Knox was the most inefficient player in the league, the entire fucking league. The most inefficient I hear player. But you're asking me, a Knicks fan, who do I think is better than a Nets player? I'm going to tell you everyone on my roster. Everyone on my roster. I'm high on all uh, my yeah, but that's just, Yeah, but that's just – see, but you know you're being stupid. That's what I'm saying. Like, just look at it objectively. No, I'm not. Like, because if are, you're asking me – And you know what? And here's the thing. I don't even like D'Angelo Russell. I don't like – I don't even like – like, I'm not even a fan of his. But, like, Jairus LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, Joe Harris, even though he played fucking deplorable against – the Sixers in the playoffs. He just missed three after three after three after three, um, even though he won the three-point contest. Um, but, like, even him, I, I'd rather have than Knox. I'd rather have him than Dennis Smith Jr., the only guy that I could maybe make an argument for. Or Well, there's two. I, I do like Mitchell Robinson, and I do like Lonzo Trip. I like those two guys. Um, but everybody else on that roster is just garbage. <laughs> like, at least – I'm not saying they don't have – a window to get better and to be good players in the future. I'm just saying, like, as of now, they are not good. All I'm saying is I, I don't grade that way. I, I, I don't grade that way because look how high we were on Tatum and then look at the season he had this year. Same for Jalen Brown. I don't grade that way. I grade I grade what I personally feel your potential to be. And I feel as though not, very young as he is, 
is going to come into not only his NBA body, but his actual talent. He's going to find his niche and, and excel in it. Same way mm-hmm. I think of Trier. Same way I think of uh, Mitchell Robinson. I'm very high on Dennis. I think once Dennis kind of figures out exactly what he's going to be in that roster, um, he's going to fit in great. But I, I don't grade guys off of, oh, they're a rookie. They had a great first season. Yep. Nope. That guy said, no. Let, let's. Because if LeVert has a bad uh, sophomore season, then can I – and Knox has a good sophomore season, can I come in and say that Knox is now better? Well, no, it doesn't work first like of that. All, first of all, LeVert already had a sophomore season, and it, he improved on his rookie season. Um, and He's, He wasn't a rookie like, last year? No, he was a rookie the year before. Oh. 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 Did we hear anything about him the year before? Yeah, uh, he was he was banged up uh, when he when he got drafted. He was he had a, a I think an ACL injury, um, so he didn't play the majority of his rookie season, um, and that was why he ended up going so low. He went twenty two overall to the Indiana Pacers, who traded him to the Nets for Thad Young, um, and that was like uh, one of the first that was one of the first big moves that the Nets front office made. Um, in order to kind of um, like bolster their young core, um, but uh, but yeah, no, I mean uh, he he's going to be a really good player, man. He's a fucking solid shooting guard. He plays defense. He can score off the dribble. He can shoot from three. He, I mean, he does everything that you'd want a shooting guard to do. Um, uh-huh. And I think I think he could be. He's that kind of player who could be like a franchise level guy if you needed him to be. Or he could be a, a like a quintessential role player if you needed him to be. Um, it, that's like the perfect. That's the prototype of what you want um, out of um, a player when you're in a big market. Because you, you obviously when you're in a big market, you want to land big dudes, um, big free agents. Uh, so like you want a guy who has that flexibility, and he totally fits that. Which is why I think the Knicks should be a little nervous um, with. The Nets having Levert, I do, man. With the Nets having Levert, with them having traded for Torian Prince, having Jared Allen, um, having Joe Harris off the bench, bench and Spencer Dinwiddie off the bench, and all of this extra cap space, like those are five guys that if you got two max guys to, to sign on to that team, you've got a built-in seven-man playoff rotation plus whatever else you build around them. With, you know, with room level exception or vet minimums or whatever, um, you have that ability. So, like, you have a, an easier job to build a um, contender than you do if you're the Knicks. Like, if you're the Knicks and you sign KD and Kyrie, you still have a lot of work ahead of you as far as building a contender. So, if you're the Knicks, you really have to sell them on, look, you guys sign here. We're still going to be making moves to improve this roster. You're not signing on to this roster. Like we are going to all of these other guys, we will move them at the drop of a hat if you guys sign on and we will even like move them um you know, maybe for less long-term value but more short-term value to help fit you guys. Um you got to really sell them on that and like that's not the easiest sell um, and you can't really do it before you get them because you can't afford to give up 
the assets that it would take, um, you know, and, and then not get those guys. So if I'm the Knicks, I am a little nervous right now. I, I, I 100% disagree with you because I think, I think what a lot of people are assuming is Kyrie goes this is to the Brooklyn. Weirdest thing. He's, this is – wait, he's, hold on. Let me just point out the fucking irony in all of this. This is the weirdest fucking thing on the face of the earth. A Knicks fan being confident and a guy who's not a Knicks fan being like trepidatious about what the Knicks are doing. This is the weirdest juxtaposition that has ever happened on this show. It is has been so 99 times out of 100 that I'm like, Juwan, Joel, calm down. Y'all are going to get KD. Don't worry. It's going to be fine. And like now that I'm like, shit, man, like I don't know, man. Like Brooklyn's like making some moves. And, and, and like all of a sudden now you got this confidence. Where the fuck did this come from? It's not confidence. It's okay. Everyone's assuming Kyrie goes there. He's bringing Durant. What if just Kyrie goes there? Am I supposed to just be afraid of a Kyrie-led team? You just finished telling me what if, how you what if that Kyrie, high on Boston. What if Kyrie gets Kawhi to go there? Then, then you should be scared. What if he gets Kawhi to go there? Okay, so if yeah. he gets Kawhi to go there and the Knicks get Kimba and Durant, I'm looking at a really good New York rivalry. And we have the – we have the trump card of being able to trade our number three to get Anthony Davis. So we could have Kemba, KD, and Anthony Davis. So, no, I, I wouldn't then, be concerned about that either. Out, you got to fill out the rest of that roster. That's why uh, it's doable. Case in it's point, doable. That's All case I'm in saying point, is why if, you're a Knicks trade for Darius fan, if you're a Knicks and Nets fan, this offseason could end and neither one of us have any of the major players we're looking for. Very so true. that's why I told you before, I wasn't sold on us getting Kyrie or KD. I was okay with us growing our young core. I told you that, that that's what my mindset was, was that I did not trust the Knicks could get it done. So I was thinking about the future and our young guys in developing it. I didn't put all my cards to the middle of the table. So, no, if we don't get them and Brooklyn gets them, it'd be the same as if we don't get them. Uh, if, if we didn't get them at all. So we have the same game plan. So, no, I'm not afraid. Right. I'm not. Because by the time that that dynasty in, in, in Brooklyn ends, they'll be looking to rebuild. And what will we? What situation would I hope we will be in? A situation to where we are now winning, and we now have a core that could win for years to come rather than the next four or five. So that's why sure. I'm, I'm not stressing out. I'm not stressing. What happens okay, so you you think um, – so I guess where you're at is if you don't get any of the big names, if say Katie mm-hmm. stays and Kyrie goes to Brooklyn and you know whatever, like let's just say, and, and that and it, it, it's basically like if Katie doesn't come, nobody else comes and what have. Um, uh-huh. You're not afraid that the Knicks will spend like cap space on on getting Kimba and Tobias or some shit like that. That's a huge fear, but. To me, it's like, okay, if you spend all that money on those two guys, like Tobias isn't a bad player, so the Knicks aren't going to get worse. Kimba's not a bad player. Like those two players don't make your team worse. All I'm saying is I just need the Knicks not to spend money that makes us worse. And a lot of people are like, how is that even possible? You spent money on Andrea Bargnani. That's how that's possible. Right. So, no, the Knicks are yeah, capable of spending give- stupid money. 
yeah, don't give go out and give Nikola Vucevic a max contract. Is basically what you're saying, right? Or don't go give Demarcus Cousins a max contract. Like, don't do stupid things. Is all I'm asking of them. So Chris Broussard, I was actually going to tell you about this. I didn't think we'd have time. Chris Broussard was saying he heard from the Knicks organization that um, from someone in the Knicks front office that if they don't get one of the big names, they're a hundred percent fine with not getting one and just growing that young core. That's why I, I did hear I'm, that. I'm not I did worried. Hear him say that. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not I like that approach. I like that approach. If you don't get Katie, then just like go back to the drawing board, draft R.J. Barrett, and mm-hmm. build with R.J. Barrett, Mitchell better, Robinson. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I mean, he's I mean he's he's definitely a um, a, a blue chipper. Um, but yeah, draft him. Um, my my fear would be I I don't know how he necessarily fits with. Um, DSJ with both those guys needing the ball in their hand, um, mm-hmm. but nevertheless, I still think you draft him because he's got the most upside at number three. Um, and, and yeah, you just, you just build around a young core and then you try to essentially do what the Hawks have done and go around the league and say, um, "Hey, like, what expiring contracts do you want me to take on?" in order to for me to accrue more assets to go with these Dallas picks that I have. Um, I don't like, think that's a bad approach. I mean, even if even if we do something like we give Beverly a deal, we give uh, Marcus Morris a deal, um, and then we just surround some veterans with our youth and try to make that kind of push, that's essentially, essentially what um, the Clippers do. So to me, I'd be fine with, with you not spending max dollars but spending enough money to put veterans on that young team. Right, right. right. Um, And you putting veterans on that team and you growing that team that way, I'm completely fine with that. I just don't want you to stupidly spend money. Now we're we're stuck to these contracts we can't get out of. Um, And then another great class of free agency comes that we have to skip because we are now tied down to those guys you just gave max deals to. So that's why I'm like, just go back to the youth movement if you can't get to big fish. Simple. Right. Yeah. And if you got to make a, a Trevor Reza $15 million one-year deal, um, if you feel like mm-hmm. that's like a, a smart investment, okay. But like don't – don't yeah, don't sign a guy like that to long-term money. Um, right. And, and don't and, max and make some <laughs> Right. And, and, and make some, some trades in which you take on some bad salary. Some bad expiring contracts to get some future assets and all that. It's just basically the way the Hawks have done it. Um, yeah. Like I, I, I think the Hawks have laid out a very good blueprint on how to not fully Sam Hinkie the equation, um, but also while still gaining, um, like building, trying to build um, a, a good culture and like a, a, a good winning effort culture um, while, you know, still managing to lose a lot of games um, like you're trying to win those games he's not winning them uh like that's you know that's that's a good way to do it like you know uh, I, I really didn't think that uh, but anyway um we'll see we'll see how it all plays out um i'm very uh optimistic for your for your next i i hope they get kd i honestly i i hope they get kd and trade for ad and then get a bunch of role players around them. That'd be my ideal Knicks team. I'd love to see that. I'd love to see Patrick Beverly, Danny Green, uh, Kevin Durant, 
uh, Daria Saric makes trade for Saric, and then you know Anthony Davis. Like that'd be a fucking that'd be, just be so much fun. That'd be a great team. Um, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it happens. It definitely won't happen exactly like that. Um, but we'll see how it all plays out. Um, regardless, uh, great show. Uh, thank you, Juwan, for joining me tonight uh, on a very impromptu uh, full court press show. Uh, we'll be back on Tuesday to break down Game Five of the Finals and any additional news. Uh, so be sure to join us then. Be sure to tune in uh, for Monday Sucks um, this Monday at six o'clock. Gay and I will be uh, breaking down all of the various news we got going on this Monday. Um, and as well, be sure to check out Geek Vibes Live. Uh, we just recorded that, so that will be dropping. Uh, any uh, minute now um, and then uh, be sure to check out TS Top 10 uh, that is coming up as well uh, so we got a lot of great pods for you all to check out so uh, be sure to do so um, please rate and review them uh, five stars five stars please 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 uh, does a lot for us um, so be sure to do that and uh, uh, we will talk to you all very soon until then peace peace